Hi, my name is Sarah, and I'm Anxious AF. Welcome back to the podcast. This week, I talk with Ajel Wade, serial entrepreneur and self-professed toy coach. Ajel was a former VP of brand and product at a toy company who left that job to become an independent toy consultant. She hosts a podcast called Making It in the Toy Industry, where she provides advice to aspiring toy creators. She's also the creator of Costumize Me, a line of handmade sparkly and sequined costumes for women, which is how we met. We met at a local outdoor arts fair in New Jersey a few years ago, where she was selling clothing from Costumize Me, and the whole thing was a really memorable experience. In this episode, we talk about that meeting, and spoiler alert, it gets pretty emotional. We also talk about racism in the toy industry, and the anxiety of running multiple businesses. Najel also shares some advice to folks that want to leave their world of stability and safety to work for themselves and follow their dreams. Here's my conversation with Najel Wade. Things going on outside. I know, right? This is a few, just a little bit. It's just some things. Not a big deal. Isn't it? I was just thinking, is it, isn't it funny that like how we met was like outside at like a fair type thing yeah those and don't like, exist anymore yeah who right <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy Damn. that was like last year right i think no that was like three years ago maybe four damn yeah that's crazy yeah it is crazy that was two that was a boyfriend and a half ago i don't know but oh <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, um, I want to start by asking you a little bit about yourself, like who you are, introduce yourself to the people. Okay, my name is Ajelle Wade, and I am known in the toy industry as the toy coach, but I guess regularly I just have been working in the toy industry for like 10 years. But I'm also a salsa and bachata dancer pre-COVID. Now I just do that stuff at home. So <laughs> um, that's... Pretty much me in a nutshell. I think I'm a serial entrepreneur. I'm constantly starting new businesses. And I'm always feeling like I'm not good enough to be starting the businesses that I'm starting. But somehow I just do it anyway. So that's that's me. So wait, speaking of all the businesses. So we met through your costume business. Through your, yes. So is that still... Costumize me. Costumize me, yep. Is that still going? Are you still doing or we we move Yeah, forward? I'm still selling. Like I'm trying so okay, so what happened was I actually I went to Africa to visit a friend who moved there and then my whole life changed. I just got a I like realized why or I feel I felt like I realized why my costumes weren't like resonating with people in the United States. So I decided I was like, you know what, I need to redo this whole line. I'm gonna make it like a black woman empowered line so since then i've been trying to like slowly um sell out of what i already have and then just so that i can reimagine it and re-envision it so i'm still selling it it's still going but i'm not starting new projects with it like i used to i do i did like it though i was like i think it's a cool concept yeah thank you thank you if you guys still want to buy from it it's called costumize me Yes, customizeme.com. Yes, help me clear out my inventory so I can start my new dream. Because that way you're going to start a new business. Serial entrepreneur. That's how I roll. (laughs) (laughs) Truly. So I guess talk about, so you also have a podcast, speaking of all the things. Yeah. um, Called The Toy Coach. Yeah. No, it's called Making It in the Toy Industry. Sorry. Is the Toy Coach like your, is the Toy Coach like uh, the name you call yourself, right? Or it's on something. Yeah, the toy coach is the name I gave myself because I knew no one would remember my name. So, <laughs> so that's where that came from. Talk, so talk about the podcast and, and why you wanted to do it and, and how you got started with it. Yeah, I, I made um, Making It in the Toy Industry um, after I met a bunch of entrepreneurs and aspiring toy inventors that really didn't know how to pitch their ideas. They didn't know how to explain them. And they didn't really understand what to do with the concept and what to do with their prototypes and where to go next. And I started giving, you know, just one-off advice. And then one day I was like, you know, there really should be a place where you can gather all this advice together. All this advice could just be in one place. 
And at first I thought I was doing maybe a blog, but then I, you know, I'm like, I don't have time to do a blog. So I, I thought maybe I could do a podcast because I think they're a little bit more forgiving, right? You can kind of talk and, you know, it doesn't have to be so perfect. You have to worry about punctuation and spelling and all that until you transcribe them. Uh, <laughs> and then, but yeah, then I started it that way. And I, I started it in January and by... June, I decided to leave my full-time job and just kind of roll with the podcast and the toy coach full-time. That's amazing. And also really bold that you just kind of up and left the whole thing. How is it Mm -hmm. feeling for you doing that now, looking back on it? Oh, it's, it's honestly like, it's really, it was really scary. There are moments where I'm like, what did I do? Uh, (laughs) But then there are moments like today when, you know, I'm just not feeling it and I can sleep in and take care of myself that I realized the value of running your own business and doing your own thing. Just having the flexibility to say, you know what, I need time to do me right now. And I don't have to ask for permission or apologize for that. And that's really nice. So the episode that I listened to of your podcast was about um, sort of the racism you experienced in the toy industry um, about dolls and, and, things of that nature. So I was wondering if you could talk about that and sort of what you've experienced with all of that and how that's, if that's brought you anxiety or it still brings you anxiety and, and tying that all in. Yeah, honestly, even when you brought it up, I got a little bit nervous. No. It stresses, it stresses me out because when I first, uh, when I first had the idea to do that episode, it was just all of the, you know, the protests that started happening. And I, and I felt, I actually, not that I say that, I think the protest protests might not have happened yet, but you know, George Floyd had definitely died and been killed, I should say. And I remember just looking at my boyfriend saying, I think I have to say something about this because I was still in the very early stages of my podcast, but I was starting to get recognized and noticed and shared. And I just felt like I had to say something because if I didn't, who would? And at the, I remember writing it and thinking like, am I really going to do this? Am I going to really post this? And then I recorded it and I let my boyfriend listen to it. And he was really impressed and found it really empowering. And then I just kind of ran with it and I was like, okay, we're going to release it. I did all, and I think at the time people were doing some black squares or something like that. Cause I did a black square with like gray text about like saying new podcast episode didn't really explain what it was. And then the next morning, it just blew up, you know, within the toy industry. I didn't go viral or anything. And it, it blew up, but every person that shared it, I got so nervous. Like, I'm like, somebody's going to hate it. Somebody's going to have a problem with it. I'm going to get sued. Or, like, I didn't know what was going to happen. Like, I got so scared because I was, I didn't name names, but I was afraid that being that honest would just get me in trouble with the industry. But, uh, you know, for the most part, people have been really open and receptive and even shared more personal stories about their the racism they've experienced. People have told me they've been instructed to put black dolls on the bottom of shelves. And when they planogrammed those dolls like higher on the shelves at eye level, which anyone knows, anything at eye level sells better, um, that they were actually scolded for doing that. Like, and people are telling me these things and it was awesome that my podcast started these conversations, but at the same time, like literally every day I would just be nervous. Like is today the day someone's going to say, take that down. Like you can't say that, or I don't know. It, it's really scary, but you know, I'm, I'm glad I did it. So. Yeah. Especially for people. Cause I'm not in the toy industry. So I was listening to it from like an outside, outsider perspective and you just don't necessarily think about that. I mean, maybe also because I'm a white person, so I'm not thinking about that anyway. Um, but just, you know, even thinking about when you talk about placement, like, of you know, like I said, at eye level and just talking about what people were thinking would sell. And, you know, I guess my question is, when you came into the toy industry, was that something that you started experiencing immediately? And how did you process it in the t- at the time that you were working there 
Right. I think it's something that I, I didn't experience it any differently from the rest of my life in the toy industry. It was always that same feeling of, I know they're not going to like my braids. How can I hide them when I'm going for a job interview? But that happens everywhere for black people. Um, and then it just became, you know, things like, are they giving me a hard time because I'm black or are they giving me a hard time because they really don't like the work that I'm doing for them? And like, that's what I was experiencing in the toy industry. And, but I think that's just a big part of the black experience, just never knowing if you're really being judged on your merit or if you're just being judged for the color of your skin. So that's what I experienced a lot. But then the one thing that I did experience in regards to race that I talked about on the podcast episode, specifically in regards to not feeling the need to include a black doll in a new assortment of dolls. This was something said in a meeting that I was at, you know, I, it was like, I got paralyzed. I didn't even know what to say. And I felt out of place to say it. Like, I felt like I would be a problem, causing a problem by saying something like, you know, that sounds racist, you know? And I, I hope that my episode will, you know, that that podcast episode talking about it on all these platforms will help people be less afraid. But honestly, I, I am still afraid sometimes when people say things that are uncomfortable to me or sounds kind of racist or biased to me. Like I get really uncomfortable and I don't always know what to say to explain to them how they're making me feel. Yeah. And you go through that process in your brain of like, is this going to be something if I say something? Yeah. And you're coaching now, like, cause you said that you're sort of doing that, you know, work, you know, entrepreneur kind of doing things on your own. Are mm-hmm. you, are you getting asked to do a lot of that type of work now in terms of like, I guess, diversifying the toy brand? Is that coming up or is it, I have this, I've been talking about this a lot with other people I've interviewed about, yeah. uh, this, this trend that was sort of happening uh, after George Floyd and a lot, the height of the Black Lives Matter protests and uh, brands were just coming out of the woodwork being like, Black Lives Matter, we support you, we're going to do these things. And then it became just sort of like a trend and those things weren't really happening. Um, do you see any improvement in what you've seen on the outside now? Or do you think sort of the trend is sort of staying the same? Yeah, it's so funny. I'm literally writing an episode about this right now that I need to record like later tonight or else my VA is going to kill me. Uh, (laughs) But no, seriously, yes. I feel like the trend is, I don't want to say it's dying, but it's definitely not as popular as it once was. And people are getting away with having now said something and then not really having to follow through. But also I feel like people are getting away with like, oh, we've made a a space or an opportunity for Black people, but we never really asked Black people if this was the kind of space or opportunity that they want. And they're just kind of like going on about doing things the way that they think they should be doing them without actually including us. And that is frustrating. But I think things happen in phases. So I'm very forgiving of it as long as you're willing to change like I'm like it's okay if you did it wrong the first time as long as we can talk about it and we can do it again the right way you know but but I do there are like some toy companies that and and like PR and when I say toy companies I don't just mean people that are manufacturing the toys I mean retailers that are selling them or PR agencies that are promoting them that are all actually doing initiatives that are uh, specific to helping black people be seen more. So one PR agency I know is making a very concerted effort to include black and other other ethnicities as well, like Latino and Asian uh, influencers in their, um, like in their influencer pools and who they send product out to. And whereas normally those influencers might not have the highest numbers compared to their white counterparts and they would normally get overlooked because of that there are PR agencies out there really intentionally giving those people an opportunity and a boost which I think is fantastic to help offset all of the you know systemic you know suppression that's happened over the years I think that that's great and then there are some toy there are some retailers that are saying you know two toy companies I need you to update your packaging and show 
reflect the world that is around us. And that's great too. So it's happening, but it's not, maybe not happening enough, but it's still happening. Is there still lingering anxiety that you're feeling from the industry itself? Yeah, I feel, yeah, all the time. I'm always so nervous that I won't stay relevant. That's like my big worry, uh, just because it's so different working in corporate and then working on your own. You know, you've really got to forge your own path and and connect with the right people intentionally on your own. So seriously, like, I, I find it like I find it hard to wake up in the morning, but I also find it hard to go to sleep at night because I'm just worrying like I'm like, what am I going to do tomorrow? Like, what do I have to do to make sure that I'm ahead? And when, when you're on your own, it's hard to say, is what I'm doing right now furthering my business? I got to make sure that I can, you know, bring in income next week or next month. It's it's not as clear cut as it used to be. So that's what that's kind of the biggest stressor for me right now. I'm just like. It used to be like, just work on this package all day and you'll get paid at the end of two weeks. Now it's like, you know, you don't even know what it is that's going to bring the next opportunity. So what you've got to do is diversify what you're doing all day. Do a little bit of emails, do a little bit of outreach, do a little bit of writing, do a little bit of design work. And I think that not knowing where to focus is the biggest stress or anxious point for me. Yeah, the not knowing where your money is coming from or when it's coming is... Yeah, or why. Or why, why it's coming. Right. Like, why is this... Where did you find me? It's like... <laughs> but I, I want to say, like, one of the best parts, I think, that I'm realizing is coming out of all of this is I am connected with so many Black women now in the toy industry and, like, help... I, I'm getting to work with them and help them and partner with them and it's just, it's so nice. It's so nice to feel like I'm not alone. And are you seeing the black women that you're working with? Are they sort of moving up into more positions of power? Or are they getting, what is sort of your work with them to grow in there where they're at? They're actually, it's funny that you say that because most of the, not even most, I think all of the black women that I'm working with are all entrepreneurs. And some I'm working with and some I've just met since all of this. And I'm thinking of like seven people right now and I'm, they're all entrepreneurs. That's amazing. Yeah, it's weird though, isn't it? Like I, that's so interesting. I didn't, didn't realize that. So what is sort of your role in helping them, I guess, grow or what are you emphasizing in your work with them? Well, so I'm the toy coach. So it could be anything. Like I can help out with design. I can help out with product development. Um, I could help find licensing connections if they have an IP to license. It runs the gamut and it depends on what they need and what I have time to offer them, honestly. It's like, I can only do so much. So I, my focuses are definitely design and business development. That's where I thrive. And so what are your days filled with now in all this? Oh my gosh. I don't, I really, I need to make a pie chart because... Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's like, so I would say Monday through Tuesday is like a very podcast focused and email catch up. Then Wednesday through Thursday is very client project focused. And that could be anything from like design stuff, design presentations or, um, toy designs or illustrations, like anything like that. Um, and then I would say, because now I'm doing my course to Creators Academy. So then like the entire like Friday to like Monday, honestly, is like Toy Creators Academy super focused, but honestly touching everything throughout the week and just trying to keep it all together. You know? Are you getting any free time at all? Is there anything that you're right. doing to relax? Or are you just like, is the work relaxing because you're doing it and it takes you out of your head no i think this is not a this is not a relaxed season for me so in i actually talked about this in august i took when i first quit i quit in july well i my last day was in july my full-time job in august i took two vacations okay two they were nice domestic obviously but two but like that, those times are over this is no longer a vacation season this is like work season in my business 
work till I drop. And then, like, I think in January, I'll get to calm down. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think January will be good. I just feel like there's this pressure that you're, yeah. <laughs> that is in there. That yeah. is it just to, like, is that anxiety from not knowing where anything's coming from playing a role in like how you're like, I can't relax. I can't relax. I have to keep moving yeah. or this need yeah. to grow or, you know, I took my vacation. It's over now. Like what, what is sort of going through your head when this is happening? And is this something that drives uh, you forward? I think I have a hard time saying no. So I keep saying yes. Mm. And then my boyfriend looks at me like, are you insane? You have too much on your plate. And I'm like, it'll be fine. And then due dates start coming and I start freaking out. And I'm like, okay, I got to like, I got to focus. I, I think it, it just comes from like, you know, I told you I'm a serial entrepreneur. Like I've been having businesses since I was like 10. I had my, I remember taking my first like Lisa Frank kit and like taking it to school and selling jewelry to all my friends. And then my teachers banned it because they said I was like causing some sort of monopoly. But anyway, like, I've been doing this for a long time. So now to have like a successful business, right? Like this is like, I've never done a business where this is all I'm doing. I've always been having a full-time job, always had a steady paycheck, always had something else going on. So now that this is it, I, I'm, I'm afraid to let it fail. And I think I refuse to let it fail. So if I, I feel like if I'm working as hard as I possibly can, I won't feel like, I didn't do enough. I didn't try enough. And I just want, I, I have this vision for my life in the future. And I feel like I'm not going to get there unless I like give it my all right now. I don't think it'll be forever that I have to do this, but I'm like, I have to do it. I have to give it my all right now. Like I have to. I feel like we're similar in that I still strive for like a perfection too, even though I know that it's not doable. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. It's not. And I'm like, but I'm going to get there. If I do this, I'm going to get there. And then I want yeah. to worry about it. But it's like, that's not possible. So you have to give yourself that room to make mistakes and to yes. let yourself yes. fall. I am learning that whole mistake thing. Yes. I say a lot. I'm so afraid to fall down that I just, I'm just staring at the ground the whole time trying to go around the cracks so I don't oh trip over God. it. Oh, that's such a good metaphor. You know oh what I mean? Oh my gosh. Like yeah. just that desire to like, if I do X, then Y will not happen. But I can also have to prepare yes. for B through Z option. I hear you. Like sir, sometimes that will stop me from doing anything all day. So I love to take a post-it at the end of the day and write down like literal tasks that I need to get done so that the next day I don't have time to stress and freak out about anything because that will just hold me up. So I'll just look at this post-it and I'll be like, okay, like right now, like, like send headshot to, um, to this person, send out Etsy order. Like I just make it like very, that I don't give myself time to think that it's just like, follow these steps and you will finish the things that you will finish the things that are stressing you out and making you feel like you can't move on to the next level. Oh, I have to get, oh my gosh, I have to give you this, this tip I learned. Oh, this tell is me. so good. Okay. So I was listening to this podcast and this guy says, he starts talking about this thing called multiplying time. And I, yeah, I was all frou-frou and he's like trying to get you to sign up for something. But I was like, let me listen. Let me try to pull some value out of this. So he starts talking about how you need to do things today that are going to not just like free up time tomorrow, but like um, that are going to kind of to free up time in the future, like to, so, so instead of like doing a task of like sending emails to people that you want to be on your podcast, uh, you would spend your time setting up an automated sequence that will automatically send out those emails for you, thereby freeing up an hour every single week for the foreseeable future for you. So, but what I like about the idea is that like, it gives you a focus on what tasks are most important. And that is my hardest thing. It's like, what do I do first? What's most important? So now for me, I look at it as every day, I'm like, okay, what tasks that if I do all these tasks right now, like next week and the week after that, and the week after that, Ajela is going to be like, oh, thank you so much for finishing that. Because like now you freed up like five hours a week. So that's what I try to 
multiply my time that way. That's amazing. I love, thank you. Yeah, (laughs) you're welcome. I'm like, I can't speak now. That was great. Cause I'm like, (laughs) but then I'm like, but then I take the time to the anxiety in me is going like, okay, if you take more time to like make these things for the future, but then, then you're gonna think of more things. And then you're like, oh God, I'm spending all this time making all these future tasks. I can't even get to the other tasks. That's where my brain's going. No, that's so true. And honestly, I feel like I've gotten all these like project management tools that click up and stuff. But I feel like for me, I almost think it's worse for me to be able to see all the things I have to do. Because <laughs> then I'm just like, oh my God, like, what is this? What is this? How is this all going to happen? Who's going to do all this? Dear Jesus. <laughs> dear, dear Jesus. <laughs> like, I live by like the calendar on my phone, but I literally put yeah. everything in it. Like, it's yeah, just like, too. I don't. So as people that listen to know, I have, uh, I struggle with like binge eating or I, oh. or I don't, uh, there's just time where I just don't eat or I'm eating a lot or just emotionally eating. And yeah. so and like, if I'm at work or if I'm working so hard, I forget to eat. And so I've set up alerts in my like in my calendar now of just like to remind myself to eat and so that's literally in indefinitely in my phone and it's like one of them is uh it's literally at like one o'clock every day i get one that says you're hungry bro (laughs) yeah really good idea because i do the same thing i will not eat all day yeah i have like you're you hungry bro at one and then i have you hungry my dude at 5 30 oh my god (laughs) And so I know it, even if I've already eaten, at least I know that I can like, I saw that and I checked that off, but it's generally, especially for someone that's so busy as you are. I mean, I'm nowhere near, but like, I, Oh, please. I'm sure you are. No, no. Uh, Like, but it's just like, (laughs) even just that has helped me so much in just like trying to navigate, like being a human being and rather than just like trying to be this person that like being known for my goals rather than being looking into myself as a person. My friend once told me that she felt known for her job or what she would be like, she didn't feel like a person because she felt like, just like when she introduced herself, she'd be like, yes, I'm this person. I run this role. And so I look at myself that way where I'm like, Oh, I work in the film industry and I have a podcast, but like not who I am as a person. Like I'm Sarah, like this is what I like and this is what I do. And I, I've been trying to spend time trying to separate that and it's becoming, I didn't realize how much I was doing it. If that makes sense. I don't know if you can relate. No, no I can relate. And it, even when, when we first started the the interview and I'm like talking about the twig, which I felt that, and that was one of the things that helped me walk away from my, my full-time job. Cause I kept relating myself and my value. I think that's the biggest problem. Your value to your title. You know, I don't want to value myself, but this like these words that, or just like anointed to me by who like it's just I'm more than just that I mean I don't know if it's enough to say that I'm a serial entrepreneur but I do feel like that's a part of my like core human being that is like literally I will sell seashells on the seashore if like it came to it like you probably already did you don't remember probably you know I sold pictures to my parents as a young child of our family like I took a photo album and took them apart and put it in the kitchen and priced them at a dollar a piece. So, yeah. <laughs> so I guess taking away all the titles, who are you as a person? Oh my gosh. Right now in quarantine, I feel like I'm not much of a person. But I do, I think, I mean, how do you describe that? Like, I guess I may... I'm definitely a passionate person. Like whatever I'm doing, I'm 150% in. Otherwise, I'm just not doing it. I'm also a really loving and inspiring person. Like when I see, when I meet somebody, like I'm all about, I almost uplift people, I think more than I uplift myself. So it's like, I'll see you and hear about what you're doing in my brain. It's like, that's amazing. And here's ideas for you to grow that. And like, I just see so much potential people and things. And I think, honestly, I do actually think that a lot of that is why I wanted to break free and do my own thing, just because I wanted to be able to be more me in what I was doing. And that's like being a motivator, being an inspirer, uplifting and like 
and sharing my story, sharing my struggles, where I came and why I'm even, I'm able to smile through all of the things that I've experienced, you know, that's probably, I don't know if that's enough of a description. No, (laughs) I think you saying that too, because, you know, we only met, we only met in person once and, you know, even in that meeting, I felt like, like you were just very energetic and very like, it just felt like, I know that like I had, I was in a rough after I saw you and like left. I remember feeling really sad that I couldn't fit into the clothes that you made. And I was, but because I, but I was like, you know what? I really enjoyed the experience and the interaction. And so I wanted to tell people about your business and I wanted to, I want people to just know, get to know you through your, through your clothes. And I was like telling everybody about it. And I was like, I just, I just feel like I'm a model. Like she made me feel very confident, even though like I felt so physically uncomfortable because I really tried to fit into them. But it was an experience to me that I was just like, I felt like you brought that motivation, you brought that positivity. And so, you know, I just, I've always, that's why I think there was a connection there because I think that it was just, it felt, it felt mutual. It felt like something that I enjoyed the experience and it's something I still remember, even though, cause I, I don't remember when it was clearly. But it happened, and I just I saw that in you and wanted you to know that. Oh, thank you. You honestly, I think I don't remember if it was that day, but I think you were one of the first people to react so positively to what I had. And honestly, since then, I have learned that plus size women are also where my people are at, and they appreciate like clothes that are loud, which is weird because I'm like, I love clothes that are loud, and I don't know why more people my size don't love them, but like, whatever. So I've learned that my plus size women, like they love when they get those pants on, like they're so excited. They're like, this fits my hips and my curves. And I'm so pleased. Like they love it. But, but going back to when I, when I met you, I just, I was, I don't know if you remember, but I was so nervous because, um, I was showing people something that I've been building and I spent all my money on and I was invested in this business and I was terrified. I had no formal training as a fashion designer, but I did have help along the way. I didn't do it all by myself. Um, But I was shaking. Like, I remember when you were talking to me, I was shaking. I also had like hyperhidrosis. I was sweating like a pig and I was like shaking like a leaf and I was so nervous and I didn't want, like you were trying things on and you were so wanted to buy things, but I so didn't want you to buy something that wasn't going to make you feel good. Yeah. But I also, at the same time, as a businesswoman, wanted to sell. And I I just remember having this, like, even now I'm, like, getting shaky thinking about it. Just because I remember how scary it was for me to put myself out there. Like, you felt vulnerable, like, trying it on. But I felt vulnerable because it was, like, my clothes. So it was just, like... I was, I mean, it was like such a scary experience, uh, doing customize me in person. Oh, I just didn't, I didn't get that you were nervous at all, by the way. But, oh. <laughs> so, you know, learning the other side, but for me, it was like, I felt from your side, cause you know, you were like, I didn't want you to feel uncomfortable. And for me, I was like, this person is so genuine. I just want to buy it. And I was oh. like, sorry, I'm so about to cry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just like Aww. I just connected. Oh God! Oh no! Oh no! Do it! Then I'll do it. Do it. <laughs> my nose gets stuffed when I cry. Oh. It'll be bad audio. Don't I do it. I am always so it. professional. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just felt like I was like, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to do this to myself and like own something that I don't fit into and do this thing where yeah. like you have this in your closet. And you're like, this will fit me one day. And then it doesn't end up being your inspiration clothing. It ends up being your shame clothing. Right. Ooh, that's deep. Okay. You know what I mean? We're just like, I didn't get there. And so I'll never be able to wear this. And so, but I felt like, oh man, we were just so excited. And I just felt this like, why didn't I do it? And I sort of beat myself up for it. But then I was also like, I don't want to be uncomfortable. And it was just like, but you seem so confident and bubbly and I never got the the nerves or anything. So yeah. yeah. A lot of people say that to me. Nobody ever knows when I'm nervous, like ever. I've done performance. I've done um, on stage performances. I've sung, I've, I've done speeches and people are always like, I can't tell. And I'm like literally shaking, Li- like visibly shaking because I know I'm shaking. I overdo everything else. 
to co- to cover it up. So like I'll be louder or I'll be I'll move a lot and you'll think I'm hyper, but I'm just like trying to get the energy like because I'm shaking. <laughs> like I'm just like so scared. So yeah, like oh I'm I don't know. That was such a that was a I was so nervous that day. I remember just I'm really glad you came by and I'm really glad you liked it and you still wanted to follow me on social and I was like, what is happening? And there's another girl who came that um so you're a little bit, a little bit smaller than you, who was dealing with the same thing, and she ended up buying something anyway because it was like it was like just a little bit, like it just kind of fit. And I just remember thinking like, oh wow, like there is this whole other kind of like body type that I need to pay attention to. And I just felt like, I don't know, I felt like they, you guys got me in a way that a lot of people didn't. And what's weird is because it was like, it's not even just the costumes. You know what? It's funny. Like, I think it has to not be called costumes. I think it has to be more about like, I, I was thinking about changing the name to see me. Like, so like see, like see the letter C me, but it's also uh, like about seeing me, you know, see me. Uh, I was thinking yeah. you meant like see because you have like a mermaid themed one or had a mermaid oh no one. no so just, i was thinking that letter c yeah just a letter c and then an me because i could keep costumize me but it'll be see me because there was this other woman i don't hate to tell you all these stories but there's this other woman no that's the, that's what I did. okay i went to puerto rico and i was there for a salsa event and i was like you know what while i'm here i'm gonna sell some clothes so i brought like literally one of every like one of every style maybe two of every style and then i set up a tiny little table and i like showed up the clothes then this woman comes and she's a big this big white woman <laughs> and i was like and she was like oh my god i love these pants and she's like i'm gonna try them on and i was like all right you know you do you boo like i don't know if it's gonna work but it was the it was the black ones with the perforated leather on the front like it was like a big leather with little holes in it and this woman got into those pants but not just that she was so excited to be in them because she had been working on like losing weight and then she got in them and they were super stretchy so like she got in them and then she felt so proud and so sexy she was like oh my god these look so good on me I love them thank you so much she didn't even take them off she just like how much do you want for them she gave me cash and she was like so happy and there was this other woman who ordered a pair of leggings on my Etsy site and she wrote me this amazing note after buying them and ordering them and receiving them. She was like, I'm telling you, I've gone through so much depression lately and I lost this weight and I was so excited to get your pants and it meant the world to me. Like I put them on and they were so comfortable and they look so nice. And I and I was just like, this letter she wrote me, I'm like, there is something here. Like I need, there is some market here and it's not just about the clothes being big enough. It's about the clothes celebrating these bodies but not just like just visually but also making them comfortable those outfits that you had just reminded me of that that personality that i wanted to keep for myself where i was like i want to continue to be loud and i want to it's about like you said like the confidence that is not just about how you know how much of these pants stretch but like how much confidence is this gonna help me like feel in my daily life and i was like i would wear I was like, I would wear those leggings to work. Like, I would just go and be yes. like, that's what's going to happen. The whole, I probably would have worn the whole mermaid outfit. <laughs> and they'd have been, nobody, nobody that knows me would, would have judged. They would just been like, yeah, that's what she does. Oh Let her have God. it. Like, <laughs> oh, I love this conversation right now. Me too. It. And I was just, cause I just, it's always, cause that's honestly, and that's like our only interaction really, besides yeah. seeing you on, you know, us talking Instagram. on social media, Instagram. Yeah. So I was just like, that's what I thought of immediately when I was like, oh, I'm excited to talk to her because we didn't we were just talking in the moment. And it was just like such a happenstance situation of like, I just happened to go to this to walk outside in the neighborhood and like see this 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 like, you know, tent and like, wait, now I'm actually remembering. Didn't I get stuck in the tent? Oh, (laughs) she had a changing tent in the the booth. And I think I got stuck. Or something on the costume or me yes. got stuck like the, on the zipper. <laughs> I think it was the tag. Oh. 
I just remember I'm like, I don't want to rip this thing, and I'm making I an idiot of myself. I felt bad because I was like, oh no, these are her worst dreams come true. <laughs> She's like stuck. I'm like, oh god. <laughs> I was like, oh no, this experience is not good. <laughs> it was like out in the open too, like it was just like in a tent outside. Oh, yeah. So you're just like, oh, all right, well, I guess this is my new performance <laughs> look. <laughs> this is what it is. Oh my god, that was so crazy. I just remember um, that. I completely forgot. <laughs> yeah, you did get stuck. I think you were in the mermaid dress when you got stuck in the tent. So. Which, you know what, is is on brand for me at the end of the day. So <laughs> I will take it. I just thought it was so funny. I'm like, of course. And I don't... <laughs> oh my god. Good times. Good, t- good times being stuck in a tent, am I right? <laughs> now I'm just stuck in a tent of emotions. Oh no! <laughs> Sorry, I had that in there and I had to to use it. (laughs) It was in my whole spirit. Um (laughs) I also want to ask because it's in it's on my brain. Like you you mentioned some of these stories of growing up. What got you into wanting to be in the toy world and what got you into wanting to sell pictures with of you know of yourself to your parents? (laughs) What inspired you and how'd you get into it and what was that what was that drive? Oh, I'm definitely an entrepreneur because of my mom. 150%. She literally, she owned her own business my whole life and would work. She worked six days a week. She would work till, and I'm trying not to replicate this, but she would work till 12 o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, some days early, the earliest she would come home would be like seven, eight o'clock at night. And she worked herself ragged. Like she just worked and worked and worked and she had three offices at the most at one point where she had a model and talent agency so that's what she did um and I think that all just inspired me because she was an entrepreneur she was a businesswoman I saw that and I just tried to replicate it at all these different parts of my life as at, in school at home like I was having businesses everywhere and then um but as I grew up it actually also scared me because I saw we had a lot of financial instability. It would be like feast and famine, right? And I, oh, I vowed to myself. I was like, I don't want to be an entrepreneur. I just want to work for a company and have a steady paycheck. That was my dream. So then I started being an entrepreneur on the side because I was like, okay, I work really hard and really fast. I can have a paycheck. And then on the side, I can do my side hustle, my customize me. And then what happened when I got into the toy industry, um, I was working so much. Once I got, I got up to VP of brand and product at a toy company, and it was so demanding of my time and my energy and my emotional like wherewithal. Like it was a lot that I stopped having time for customize me one. So then I was like, well, I, you know, I'm the type of person where I need to have some entrepreneurial something going on. So then I had the idea for the podcast. And when I started working on that, it was easier because it was in the same industry. So it didn't take as much as customize me did for me to like separate from a whole to a whole new industry at the end of every day. Right. So I was like, okay, I have a lot less emotional energy left over from this job. So I'll do this podcast. But then it started to be, I had to make a choice because it started to I started to get to a point where people are reaching out to me as the toy coach. And I'm like, well, I kind of have to choose. Am I going to be in this business and work for my toy company that I'm working for? Or am I going to go and do my own business? Because I can't have it both ways. Like legally, you know, confidentiality wise, can't have it both ways. So honestly, it just got to a point where I had to decide, like, are you going to go against everything you believed as a kid? Like where you hated feast and famine and you're just like no I'm you know I want stability and I just kind of decided I asked my boyfriend because he lives with me now and I was like hey if I wanted to quit my job like would you be okay with that <laughs> and, and he was like yeah I think it's okay yeah we could do that <laughs> he supported it we talked about it and like what would happen if I couldn't get a client or something to pay bills or whatever and I saved up money and And I just said, you know what, like, screw it. Let's just try it because I want to be my own boss like my mom was. I envy that so much because I feel (laughs) like I, when you said that stability was so important to you and I felt like I was a freelancer in the film industry and I was, I always say that I would work for a week 
and then not work for a month and then maybe work for a day and then not work for two months. And then oh my God. all I wanted to do was get the paycheck to afford to buy the Ben and Jerry's so I could sit on my couch and eat the Ben and Jerry's, but I could never oh have time God. to eat the Ben and Jerry's. It was like a whole, you know, cycle. cycle. And I ended up taking a job, like a, someone recommended me to work at a camera rental house and I still work there now. And now I'm just like, but there's more, there's more to life than doing this. And I guess my question is, what advice do you have for people that live the life of safety and security and stability and want to risk it all? So wait, I feel like you don't know this about me. Do you know that I'm a cancer survivor? I don't. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, so I am. So quitting my full-time job was also leaving behind amazing health insurance that I had negotiated for. (laughs) So I know you, you have no excuse, people out there. If you, you know, if I took this risk, you can take the risk. I think the the one thing I would say, and this, I think this business that I have probably would not happen if it were not for a coronavirus, 100%. So here's why. Saving, a lot of, a lot of saving happened for me during coronavirus because I wasn't going outside. I wasn't hanging out with friends. And eventually my boyfriend moved in and cut my rent in half. But honestly, that that was just like recent. I was saving before that just because I wasn't going out. I was cooking my own meals and I was staying in and I wasn't traveling to work. So if I, knowing what I know now and how valuable that savings is, oh my gosh, like just save. that That's the biggest, the biggest piece of advice. Like, and cut out everything. Cut out, it took maybe like, four months for me to really see savings, like the difference in savings from not having to go to work and not having to go out to see my friends. So I would say number one, save. And number two, if you can change to a job that is either partially remote or maybe just closer to your house, so you're not like traveling as far, that's what I would do knowing what I know now, because the money is what gives you the freedom to be able to choose. Like I don't have to do this job anymore and it's not emotionally serving me. So I'm not going to keep doing it. So that, I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing. And then I would just say, make a plan to take the leap. Like I literally made a plan. I looked at my savings account and I said, okay, I have enough money to last for this amount of time if I don't make anything, but I'm not going to quit my job until I have a plan to make some money. So let me go make a plan. Let me go reach out to people and see who needs my services. Let me build an email list so I have people to contact when I am out of work. Let me go on LinkedIn and network and make sure that people are seeing what I'm doing. Like that's everything I did. I did all of that before I left my job to make sure that the industry knew of me or some people in the industry knew of me. So they saw my name popping up all the time. Then they would get on my email list and I would keep contacting them. So once I quit, jobs were finding me because people had been following all the things I was doing. And I was just promoting myself. I'm just like, hey, I'm available. I'm a designer. Hey, I'm available. I'll help you with your social media ads management. And that is the biggest advice. Like just show people that you're available, what you have to offer and save all at the same time. And all of that is going to help you prepare to say, okay, I'm putting in my two weeks and I'm taking the leap. I mean, I hope, like right now, like I told you, I'm not taking any breaks, but I hope that if I talk to you again in like January, I'll have like a different entrepreneurial lifestyle that will be like all Zen and I'll be like, you need to join this world because it's so lovely and I cook every day. But right now I'm just like eating, taking out and not sleeping. So <laughs> you got to go through that phase. Yeah. Before you, you hit the, yeah. before you hit the Zen, apparently yoga phase of yeah. January. So to sort of close things out, is there any Uh other advice or something that you want to leave people that are listening to this podcast with? Ooh, okay. Yes, I've got good advice. So one of my best mentors always told me this small piece of advice, and it's so simple. And he said, Jelle, I'm going to say, listeners, in life, it is the two second decisions that you'll regret. The choices that you make that you ponder over and you think about and you plan and you stress out about and you worry and you're like, is it right? Like those, those decisions, like you thought about it, it's going to work out one way or another. You put your time, your effort into, 
don't worry about those, those choices. The choices you should really worry about are those split second decisions. Those are the ones that change your life. Those are the ones that bring you on a path that maybe you're not on. So my whole life, I'm very cautious whenever I'm making a big choice or whenever something happens and I make like a quick decision. I always give myself a second to stop just because of this advice from this mentor because I want to make sure that I'm not just making split second decisions that are going to lose me a job interview or a client or, you know, have me saying the wrong thing on my show or something like that. So just be wary of those split second, two second decisions. Don't think too fast. It'll bite you in the ass. Oh, I like that. Did you just come up with that? Yeah, I'm a genius like that. It's funny. <laughs> I like that. I like that. But seriously, I think you're such an inspiration. And oh. I'm just so grateful to have had our interaction today and our interaction yeah. before than the before times, uh, which is what I'm calling it now. <laughs> the before times. Or BC. Before I Corona. Peace, I was just going to say <laughs> When you could do things, when you could live a life. Oh, and you're yeah. still living it. You're you're doing you're still doing all the things in in where we're at. Because in, like mm-hmm. you said, being a cancer survivor, like you know life is short mm-hmm. and you're fulfilling those things that you've always wanted to fulfill. And I think that's inspiring. Uh yeah. If there's anything you want to promote social media wise, where people can find you and find your businesses and all that. Yeah, listen to Making It in the Toy Industry, the podcast. You can go to makingitinthetoyindustry.com and it'll route you right to my podcast. Listen, enjoy it. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I know you are you probably have another interview to do or like six <laughs> things left, so. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for having me. That was my conversation with Ajel Wade. It was such a pleasure talking to her, and I'm so glad to know that our interaction a few years ago was something that stuck with her, like it did for me. Thanks again to Ajel for coming on the podcast and for giving great advice. You can learn more about Ajel and her work at ajelwade.com. If you want to check out her costume line, you can visit her Etsy shop at etsy.com slash costumizeme. Her podcast, Making It in the Toy Industry, is available wherever you get your podcasts. The links will also be in the description box for this episode. While you're subscribing to podcasts, you can also subscribe to this one if you'd like. No pressure, though. You can also stream every episode at anxiousafshow.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at anxiousafshow. You can email us at anxiousafshow at gmail.com with feedback, guest suggestions, or stories of your own. We're also looking for additional composers specifically females of color, for future story episodes. If you're interested or know someone that might be, send us an email and let us know. This episode was edited and mixed by Angelie Guybera. Production assistance from Matt Laurie. Music by Garrett Rose. His work can be found at garrettrose.com. And I'm Sarah Curlin, your host that's filled with heightened emotions. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.